at Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, You did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, for no good what they want is to alienate alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them it is fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to be so always not just when I am with you my dear children for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Thank you, Sue. Uh, Let me pray before I start. Father God, we ask for your help this evening. We want to hear you speaking to us. And we also pray that as we hear you, you would change us to be more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, it seems to me that we're living in an age of fake news, where news is reported as though it were true, even though it then turns out to be blatantly false. Here's one example. Pope Francis backed Donald Trump for the White House. Another example. You might see some similarities here. Donald Trump was born in 1946 in Pakistan and named Dawood Ibrahim Khan. And another example. Birth control makes women unattractive and crazy. These stories, these items of fake news, have all actually appeared on news media sites over the past couple of years. And if we stop and think about it, Fake news has been around for a long time. I mean, 30 years ago, before the internet, there might have been less scope for false stories making it into the news, just just because the number of media outlets was far fewer. But it was also much harder to check whether what was being reported was actually true. So when I was growing up, we were fed stories about the police conduct during the minor strikes of the 1980s, which have since turned out to be untrue. There was a story about the discovery of Hitler's personal diaries, even though it later transpired that Hitler never kept a diary. 
And then there was the story that Russia had decided to sell Lenin's body because of the country's dire financial situation. All these stories were fake news. So here's my question for you. How do you react when you hear fake news? There's a story in the news at the moment about this British historian, David Irving, who is trying to deny that the Holocaust ever existed. I wonder how that makes you feel. Do you feel angry by that? Or confused? Or maybe you just let it pass you by. Last month, we learned that an advisor to Donald Trump had referred to a massacre in an American city that had never actually happened. If you heard that story, was that just another funny story to share with your friends? Or did it, does it go a bit deeper than that? I guess what I'm getting at is, what type of fake news gets under your skin? And when is it that fake news really starts to upset you? Well, we're now just over halfway through Paul's letter to the Galatians. If you've been following the series of sermons on uh, Galatians over the past couple of months, you'll have picked up the gist of the message. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, a part of modern-day Turkey, and this is probably the first of the letters that he wrote to any of the churches that he'd established. And in this letter, he's asking them one big question. Why are you giving up on what you first believed? Why are you being taken in by fake news? When you first heard the gospel, which I preached to you, you received it with joy. But now, you're being drawn away to a different message and reverting to a different religion which is no gospel at all. Paul actually says that at the start of this letter. And in the verses we're looking at tonight, we're going to see how Paul reacts to this fake news. Although it's probably more accurate to say he's not reacting so much to fake news, but to the news that his friends are being taken in by fake news. So, Do please keep your Bibles open at page 1170 and we're going to look at this passage and also place it in the context of what's come before. Just first look at the title of this section, Paul's Concern for the Galatians. It's rightly entitled that. Paul is concerned and these verses tell us about Paul's reaction to what we could call fake salvation news. I think one thing that's clear from the start is that this fake salvation news, the message being spread by the Judaizers that a relationship with God could somehow be earned by following a set of rules, it really did upset him. So if you just turn back a page to the start of the letter, just to give you a better idea of how Paul's feeling. Galatians 1, verse 6. I'm astonished, I can't believe it, that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you. He's really upset. Look across to verse 1 of chapter 3. Guys, why are you so foolish? 
Who has bewitched you? Why are you turning your backs on what you first believed? And now come back to our passage tonight. Verse 9. It's that same frustration. I really can't believe it. Look at the second half of verse 9. How is it? How is it you're turning your back to those weak and miserable forces and your former ways of thinking? It's no exaggeration to say that Paul is at his wit's end. Just look at verse 20 at the end of this section. I'm perplexed about you, Paul says. Can you, say what he's really, can you, can you see what he's really saying? I really can't get it. And he's not only perplexed, just jump back to verse 11. I somehow feel as though I've been wasting all my efforts on you. Maybe something that some of your teachers, some of your Christian teachers might feel like saying. So let's be clear from the start. One thing we see about Paul's reaction is that he's upset and frustrated. And this is heartfelt. And here's another reason how we can tell Paul's reaction comes so much from his heart. You probably picked up some of the language that Paul's using. Verse 12, he calls the Galatians brothers and sisters. In verse 19, he calls them my dear children. Look again at verse 12. Paul is not advising them or asking them to turn back. He's pleading with them. And in verse 19, he describes his desire to see them come back to faith as being like a mother in the pains of childbirth. The point is that what's happening to his friends in terms of them being taken in by fake news really matters to him. So this isn't Paul the theologian speaking. This is Paul the friend, Paul the pastor, who really cares for the destiny of those close to him. So that's the tone of Paul's concern for the, for the Galatians. That's the intensity of the way he's reacting to fake news. I now want to take a closer look at what Paul's saying. And if you're if you're following the outline of my sermon on the back of the service sheets, these next three points relate to the content of his message, whereas the first and the fifth bullet points have to do with Paul's human reaction. So the first thing Paul says is simply, grow up. Look again at verse 9 and his reference to those weak and miserable forces. So Paul here is talking about Jewish laws of the type that instruct Jews to be circumcised and to mark important Jewish festivals. And the Greek word Paul actually uses here for forces is roughly equivalent to the ABCs or the first principles, the first lessons in education. So Paul is not rubbishing those first principles He's saying that the law is important because they show us as sinners, as people who do wrong. It's just that the law has its limitations. So those forces, those first principles, Paul says, are weak. They're weak because they can't offer a solution to the problem that keeping all the laws is simply too much for us. And they're weak 
sorry, they're miserable because they enslave us. The result of being made aware of us falling short of God's standards is simply that we feel guilty. So to be mature as a Christian means to live knowing that we can't win God's God's acceptance, or as the Bible puts it, to live under God's grace. So how come, Paul asks in verse 9, how come you're going back to a stage you left behind so long ago? Grow up, grow up. That's the first part of his appeal to them. And I think there's a question there for us. How mature are we as Christians? Are we living under God's grace? And how can our way of looking at the world be changed so that we do grow up and don't feel enslaved by the feeling of having to please God? One small aid to help you, this book on prayer, which uh, Tim mentioned to us uh, by Rachel Jones, Five Things to Pray for Your Church. And there's a nice small chapter in there on Christian maturity. Now take a look at verse 12. Paul writes, Become like me, for I became like you. This is the second part of Paul's appeal. And so let's have a look at what he's saying here. Well, if you know some of Paul's other letters, this kind of language will not be new to you. In another of his letters to the Corinthians, Paul describes his method of winning others for Christ like this. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. So here, in the same way, Paul writes, I became like you, Gentiles. Paul is saying, even though I grew up like a Jew, the last thing I want to do now is to live like a Jew. I've given up that old way of life, of thinking that all that matters is about being strict about following religious practices. And not only that, I've come and lived with you. I've got to know you, as I did when I spent that year teaching you and encouraging you. I wonder if you can recognise this, or where this is, or what it was, up until last October. It's the jungle in Calais, the camp that was set up to house migrants and refugees from the Middle East and Africa. And on the left of that picture is a person called Jazz. Jazz was a fashion designer. And then she heard about what was happening in the jungle in Calais and decided to give up her well-paid job and go and work as a volunteer in that camp. This is what she said. I wanted to meet people behind the headlines. I wanted to find out what life in the camps was really like. So becoming like them has something, I think, to do with understanding the situation of other people and identifying with them. So for the fashion designer, as for Paul, this was not without a cost. 
This coming Friday, on the 24th of March, in a car park about a mile that way, off Church Road, the Bishop of Chichester, our Bishop, Bishop Martin, will be sleeping rough as part of the YMCA's Sleep Easy. Now, the Bishop says he's no hero, and he's right. It's just one night he's spending under the stars. But the point is, how can you know what it's like to be homeless unless you sleep rough yourself? Of course, to truly identify with the homeless would involve doing it for more than one night. Becoming, becoming like them for Paul had something to do also with leaving behind parts of his old life. As I said, Paul had grown up in the Jewish faith. He built his reputation as a Jew. He was highly regarded in Jewish circles and no doubt enjoyed certain privileges. For Paul, becoming like the Gentiles meant turning his back on the law and seeking to live by faith so that he might win others for Jesus. So how could we apply that to our situation? Well, I think in a small way, our night shelter here at BH over the past couple of months has been about doing this, identifying with some of the homeless folk in our own city. And I mentioned the Sleep Easy in Hove this coming Friday, another opportunity to support the work for the homeless. But at its simplest, becoming like them has something to do with getting to know and becoming a good friend to our non-believing friends, taking an interest in them. And like Paul, having that longing in your heart that they would one day enjoy the the freedom that faith in Jesus brings. Become like me, for I became like you. Do pray that as a prayer this week, that you would become an even better friend to those who don't yet know you, who don't yet know Jesus, so that they would come to know him too. Let's now go back to Paul's first encounter with the Galatians. This is a map of, of Paul's route to Galatia on a journey that took place about 15 years after Jesus was crucified. It's recorded by Luke in Acts 13 and 14. And we're really focusing on the centre of that map where the up arrow goes up from the island of Cyprus up towards the Turkish coast. And that's the journey Paul took when he travelled from Cyprus to Perga and then from Perga to Antioch and then on to Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. So in verse 13 in our passage tonight, Paul refers to an illness that was affecting him when he first brought the message to Galatia. In other words, when he first arrived in Pisidian, Antioch. Now, we don't know for certain what that illness was. It might have been malaria, caught in the lowlands around Perga in Pamphylia, It might have been epilepsy, and it might have been a form of blindness. But the key thing is, and and the key thing that Paul wants to get across, is that when Paul first arrived, the Galatians received his message warmly and enthusiastically. What does he say? 
you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God. And this despite the fact that his illness was a burden to them. In other words, they could have rejected him, but they chose not to. They recognised him as an apostle who spoke with authority and preached Jesus clearly. But fake news was now taking hold, and Paul was upset. Look at verse 16. This is how he expresses his concern. He asks, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? So Paul, once regarded as an angel, is now being ignored. These new converts were choosing to shut their ears to him. And I think Paul is not just personally hurt, he's also got a theological grind. They are rejecting the authority with which he first brought the gospel to them. And that is the third part of his appeal to them. Respect apostolic authority. So here at BH we sit under the authority of our vicar. We believe that Phil and those in authority above him have been appointed by God to teach us and to preach to us. And these verses remind me of the importance of respecting that authority. Of course it doesn't mean we automatically agree with everything Phil says, but it does challenge us not to be selective about accepting parts of the gospel it's easy for us to believe and ignoring others that we don't believe as the Galatians appear to be doing here. Our attitude to those in authority over us, and I think this is what Paul is getting at here, should be shaped at how closely their message, the message of our teachers and preachers, conforms to the gospel which has been handed down by the apostles. As Paul puts it in verse 18, it's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. So let's turn back now to the question I first started with. How do we we react to fake news? We've seen how Paul reacted to fake gospel news. He was frustrated. He was almost certainly hurt by what he heard. He was concerned. And in response, he made a heartfelt appeal to them. And he voiced his concern through these three appeals. And one thing finally I want to say, have a look at the the last verse of the section we read, verse 20. Paul says he wants to visit them. And more than that, he wants to be with them so that he can speak with them in a different way, to change his tone. He's upset, but he doesn't want to rebuke them. He actually wants to come to them and speak to them face to face, with the implication being he wants to be gentle with them. Don't you get the feeling that Paul is not going to give up on these folks? So this past week has been Youth Mission Week here at BH, and we've been praying for folks who've been attending the events and hearing Martin speak over the past week, and praying that new folks would come to faith for the first time, just as the the Galatians did when they first heard the message from Paul. So what happens, or maybe I should ask, 
how would you react if in a couple of months time you find out that one of your friends who's come to faith this week has then turned back from, from the gospel that they have believed this week would you be their faithful friend let me pray Father God, thank you for this passage and thank you for what it shows us about Paul's concern for his friends. We pray that we would always be able to discern fake news and we also pray that we'd know how to react, particularly in situations where we see others being taken in by fake news and being taken further away from the truth of the gospel. And we pray that we would be good at understanding our friends, especially those who might have stopped believing, and that, like Paul, we would never give up on them. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen.